So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. episode is brought to you by our delectable sponsors at the Rare Seed Agency. L. Roberts heads up a team to assist you with business strategy, digital marketing, launch planning, team management, and guess what else? Podcast editing. Let Rare Seed support your everyday so you can focus on the work you love. Go to rareseed.com. Now, when you land on her website, you're met with a stunning visual of a tall, willowy redhead swathed in blood red, brandishing a sword and surrounded by the rough sea pounding enormous rocks. Underneath it, it says, the revolution will be bloody. We need an action guide for fired up women to take back their womanhood and transform the world. And that is Stasha Washburn, the period coach. I've invited Stasha onto So Crisp to discuss the word period and all it has come to mean but really I struggled a lot trying to narrow down the questions I wanted to ask her to share with all of you because in truth I've asked her 28,000 questions already over the course of the last couple of years of being her online and then real life friend and every single time I am blown away by her answers in fact my family has started to make fun of me because I when we're having discussions about parenting and womanhood and all of the good things around the you know around the dining table I'm often caught saying, well, Stasha says, and then they're all like, oh, does she? Stasha says. So, but let's start with this one, Stasha. Tell us about what you think the taboo around periods and talking about periods and even saying the word period is. Tell us what this period stigma has meant for women and our society. Oh, it's huge. I mean, just think about times in your just day-to-day life where you might have been just about to get your period or you've got your period and somebody says something to you and you're like, well, I wish I could just say, well, I've got my period, like go easy on me. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I've got a migraine. I just got my period. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to go to the loud noisy club tonight or, um, I need a nap. What can I say? I've got my period. Like, so many times where just live life that you wish you could just be like, oh, I've got my period, but you can't because you're going to get met with like, that's gross, or I didn't need to know that, or one of my favorites from the 90s, TMI. Um, <laughs> just a horrified face. Just a, like, yeah. oh, you like said it, it out loud. The silence lands in the room, <laughs> profound and deep. Everyone turns to stare. She just said the word period in Yeah. Well, there's some pretty stupid things we say as a code instead. Like, yeah. I don't know if you do have Arnie Flo is visiting. Yeah, that's yep. a classic. Painters yep. are in. It's that time of the month. Like it, it literally is something that you can't, that everybody know. It's that time of the month. And, yeah. But I did find this in my research and I really liked it. A tribe in Central Africa says, my biggest husband is the moon. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> it's kind of nice for all the stupid things that we say. I think that's probably the best. So how do you... That was at least a good one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of nice. Um, how, how do you think using words like period became taboo in our society? Yeah, so those, those uh, euphemisms that we use mm-hmm. are... You can see how we feel about periods, right? You're on the rag, uh, shark week right? They're negative connotations. They're not positive. They're, they're 
you know, God, I just wish I could stop this, end my subscription. Like that's a popular one that's been happening in the last couple of years, just with, you know, internet and subscription services and stuff. So how do I opt out? Like, <laughs> end my subscription. Like there's a lot of that. And that just tells you how much we dislike our periods. And then there's articles that come out. Uh, there was one recently, but just not to even date this podcast because this happens every couple of years. Mm -hmm. An article will come out that talks about how you don't really even need to have your period. Mm. And that's not true. It's not mm. true. Not from a physical standpoint, just like scientific physical standpoint, that's not true. So, yeah, that, that concept that you can just turn it on and off. Well, that's how, that's what I was taught. I remember my mom saying to me when I first got it, it's just so stupid because you should just be able to turn it on and off until you need to use it. And once you're finished using it, like periods are only for procreation, mm -hmm. then you should be able to switch it off again. And, and that's what a lot of us did, right? With taking the pill from the time that we're children. Right. right. Is turn it and off. And that's the same argument that I have with people who say sex is for procreation. And then I go, well, then why do I have a clitoris that's 8,000 nerve endings for nothing but fun time? <laughs> so, so what is, what is our period for? Well, first of all, just from that very basic, like health perspective, you, uh, when you are on a chemical birth control, so any kind of hormone, it's not hormones, it's actually chemicals. They're not hormones. You can't patent hormones. The pharmaceutical companies can't make money if they can't patent it. So it's actually not hormones, it's chemicals. So like, let's just start right there. But then you're not having a period when you have that bleed. You're actually, it, you're just having a breakthrough. It's just the blinding that has built up comes out, but it's not a period because you didn't ovulate because what you're actually in is menopause. So when you're on any kind of hormonal birth control, you're in menopause. So you're saying that's going to scare the bejeebus out of a whole lot of people because that's, <laughs> well, not what, that's not what we're taught. We're taught that, you know, well, we know that the reason that we have a period is because we're flushing out all the stuff that we didn't use during the month to make a baby. Right. Right. Except that you're not ovulating when you're on birth control. Mm. So you're not actually going through the hormonal change. You have to ovulate to make uh, estradiol and progesterone. So basically a version of estrogen. So you have to ovulate to make estrogen and progesterone. And here's the thing. Estrogen and progesterone are the two hormones that make us as women feel juicy, our hair shiny, makes us have good energy, good libido feel optimistic and happy. Serotonin is actually linked. So all of the good feelings that you get are from estrogen and progesterone. And if you don't ovulate, you don't create those hormones. Mm -hmm. So then progesterone is actually a hormone that you need to build strong bones and for cardiovascular health. So when you look at the long-term effects of birth control, which P.S. there are no studies done, but when you look at the long-term results, there's no, you, you see women with higher rates of uh, osteoporosis. Uh, heart disease is the number one killer for women. And we know that you need progesterone to make healthy bones. And when you're not getting any progesterone, you're going to have weaker bones. You're going to have less cardiovascular health, all of these different things. So having a shut-off period 
And the argument to that is, but women used to be pregnant all the time. And my counter argument is yes. And for the first trimester of your, of your pregnancy, you have very high levels of progesterone for the entire time. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the reasons women miscarry in the first trimester. One of the major reasons, aside from physical trauma or, or like that, like trauma, emotional, mental, some kind of trauma, aside from trauma, it's progesterone. It could be and, but one of the reasons that women miscarry in the first trimester is because they don't have enough progesterone to, to hold the baby to the zygote. I shouldn't say baby, but like the little, you know, cell. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you have that progesterone that you would normally have in your period. You just have it when you're pregnant. So you do have progesterone, whether you're in your pregnancy or you're having your period. So just right there from a physical standpoint for your long-term health, for your mental health, for your emotional health, for your shiny hair health, you need to have a period. For your ability to sell health. Can we talk about a little bit more about that later? That, that bringing it into your business thing that I just mm-hmm. found so fascinating when I worked with you. But if, if we go back to <clears throat> this, how talking about it has become taboo. If you if you're, have a little bit of the conspiracy theory um, gene, like my daughter does, um, then she says, like, you know, the, this is something that they do to us on purpose um, and now that we have the Stasha says in our family, mm-hmm. then it's become, mm-hmm. we say the thing that you said at Artful all the time, at the Artful Business Conference now all the time, where um, you where you said, blah, 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 here's the big explanation about it. This is where it's all come from. And it's all come from the patriarchy and fuck those guys. And we say that now in our house all the time. Well, that's the patriarchy. And, and everyone chimes in like a little choir and fuck those guys. It's brilliant. But basically, do you think I'm so that happy not- right now. <laughs> converted we're converted do you think that not talking about us not talking about it and not using the the proper words therefore keeps us in the dark about how our body works and making good decisions about it based on the information that we have because it isn't something that doesn't even get talked about in families you still hear stories about girls who get their period and their and their mother hasn't talked about it with them yeah uh, I absolutely do. Uh, the thing is that pre pre witch hunts, as the as the patriarchy was asserting its dominance in the world, um, when the witch hunts started to happen, they really targeted women. And in the uh, actual guidebook of how to find, spot, and torture a witch, which the Malleus Maleficarum. It talks about, it singles out midwives, uh, Mm -hmm. women who know how to help other women, uh, women who are proficient in herbs, in menstrual disorders. So it singles out the womb, essentially, Mm -hmm. and all that goes into it. Yeah. Right, exactly. So women who know anything about the womb. And that really got singled out in there. Now, this isn't to say that there weren't a handful of men and these kinds of things that were also uh, murdered. Oftentimes, it would be a woman who was singled out as a witch, and they might say, well, her husband was helping, so we'll kill him too. But really, that was just, well, most of it was property grabs, to be perfectly honest, because then the church got whatever the women, you know, the land that the family had lived on or whatever. So really, it was just property grabs. But it was singling out women. Uh, because as the women who worked with other women, essentially the midwives and the healers. 
And that's when we had to stop talking about anything women's health. We couldn't, we couldn't ask for help. We couldn't talk to each other. We couldn't offer help. Uh, if you were two women in a room, you were a coven, you were both, you know, tortured and murdered and, and it was just a horrific thing. And it went for hundreds of years. People think of the witch hunts as this like blip in time, but it happened for hundreds of years. There's no definitive number on how many people were murdered. I've seen as low as 3 million. I've seen as high as 9 million over the course of several hundred, well, two to 300 years, but then that's not the official start time or that's, that's not like really where it started. And that's not really when it ended because in 2019, uh, there was a woman murdered, uh, axed to death in front of her grandchildren, in fact, for being a witch. Uh, she was one of 33 people in two years that were axed mm -hmm. to death for being witches uh, in this area. So it still happens to this day. Uh, in different parts of the world. And it actually goes along with the things like the bride burnings in India um, or the Suti, I believe it's called, where a widow uh, was burned alive next to her dead husband. And you have to keep in mind that those girls were married young. So like an 11-year-old would be married to an old man. He'd make it a couple years and then she would be blamed for his death and then she would be burned alive next to him. So it's not something that stopped when the witch hunts quote unquote stopped. It just kept going. So we had to stop using the words. We had to stop talking to each other. It was just a matter of safety and it's embedded generation to generation. We know that trauma is passed down genetically now. Um, so we know that, that, that safety, that if we talk about this, we are, we are, we feel unsafe deep mm -hmm. in our, in our, like, we don't know why we feel unsafe saying the word period in public. We just know we feel unsafe. And it's that very deep embedded because it was very unsafe for generations, multiple generations. So it is important to start using the words again, and it is important to start using the proper words again. And another argument that I have for that is uh, it's a different conversation, but it's the same concept. So um, in the pedophile culture, they target children who don't use the proper words for their body parts. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a specific targeting because they know those kids don't have a family that talk about their bodies openly and properly. So they are an easier target for a pedophile because they're not, they're, they, those kids are much less likely to go to their parents and say, hey, this guy touched my vulva or this guy touched my penis because they don't use those words. They don't have the, the body knowledge or confidence or understanding. And it's, um, it's not the same thing in that way, but it is that same concept where you have to know your body and understand what's happening and use the proper terminology and words because that's how you get your power back. That's how you get your confidence and your understanding and your confidence back. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I read a great quote um, from Clue. Uh, last week it says, um, period stigma is a form of misogyny. Negative taboos condition us to understand menstrual function as something to be hidden, something shameful. And by not naming a thing, we reinforce the idea that the thing should not be named. Um, so how, how do you think that we can combat that kind of the fluffy language that we use around it or not talking about it at all so that we can speak about what is a perfectly normal thing to happen in a way where everyone's comfortable talking about it? Where do we start with that? 
Yeah. You just kind of have to start. So (laughs) depending on where you are in your world, like you might have kids, so you might just teach your kids the right words, Hmm. but you might not have kids and you just have to start having those conversations. And I, I always recommend start with a friend that you love, trust, you know, and just, but just start using the words. Like instead of texting your friends, like, Hey, Aunt Flo is visiting, just say, you know, oh man, I just got my period or I just got my bleed, but say the words and use the, you know, use your terminology. Like uh, I can't tell you how many times a day somebody will say the word vagina and I go, you mean vulva. <laughs> oh, oh, right. I mean, I, I rem- the one of my t- worst parenting moments ever was when I took um, my daughter to see a fringe world show um, called, um, uh, glitterati clitterati <clears throat> and it's three comedians and they do these this half an hour song and dance about um women and they do this incredible thing where she dresses up as the vulva and she gets people out of the audience to name all the individual parts and hardly anybody ever gets it right and we walked out at the end you know i've paid for private school for this child for her <laughs> entire life um and we got out and she said oh i just learned a thing and i was like really what did you learn? She was like, well, I didn't know this and this and this and this and this. And I was like, oh, Ella, I'm so sorry. I've really, like, I've done you a massive disservice by just assuming that every single year when they do sex education, that they're going to teach you about (laughs) the anatomy of your own body. No, apparently not. No, they don't. They don't in the United States either. I mean, there's like a few handful of schools that do it properly, but by and large, no, they don't. And well, and that's the thing I can't tell you. I, I, when I first started doing this work, I was shocked when people would say, I don't, what's ovulation. Yeah, right. And then I stopped counting because I was like, this is just the rest of my life is going to be explaining ovulation (laughs) to women. So, and that's not their fault. Like, at first I was like, what do you mean? How do you not know what ovulation is? But then, you know, I thought back to it and I thought, well, you know, I don't really know that I learned that in school. I mean, maybe mm. I did, but it definitely didn't stick. And it was stick. only because I had such bad periods that I was forced to learn what was really going on in my body and understand what was happening. Yeah. But had I not had that like trial, um, I don't know that I would have known that. So I, you know, at first I was like, wait a minute, how, how do women not know this? And I was like, because no one taught us. Yeah. Right. No one taught us. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I that's get... another thing. Like yeah. you, really have, you really have to feel, well, that's just one thing I want to say is to anyone listening, like, don't feel badly for not knowing things. No, none of us did. So mm. don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. Don't feel shame. Don't feel embarrassment. Just start learning. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about it now. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and, I, and I want to get to like how you ended up being the period coach. But first, I, I wanted to bring up this little point because you and I had a conversation last year um, um, about this uh, or earlier this year. But when I was doing research for this podcast, I was looking for a couple of quotes and I came across this theory from uh, a Professor Knight, who is, as far as I could gather, just by, you know, internet stalking, a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a social, social anthropologist at London University. He, it says he's researched the deep historical roots of menstrual taboo. And he states that yeah, the taboo is at the centre of the origins of patriarchy. And although it worked for me to include it in the podcast, it did remind me of the story that 
I told you when we met up in Adelaide this year about my friend who excitedly shared this article by a male OBGYN stating that periods shouldn't be painful. And she shared it almost like as a revolutionary finding, even though I'd excitedly shared, sent her multiple links to your work the year before and had multiple conversations with her about all the things that I'd learned from your work. Um, and, and you said, oh, that's really common, women listening to male doctors and medicos and ignoring the work of the women who are fundamentally at the well. So do you, you find that that is a, a quite common thing? Why do you think that that, that that is, that we're much more likely to listen to a short art, article that a male baby doctor has written about? It's just, it's just the ingrained patriarchy. I mean, you can't say I'm a woman, I'm not misogynistic. It's not, it's, it's the same thing as, as saying like, well, I'm a right per I'm white, but I'm not racist. Like you've got internal misogynisty, you, or misogynism, you've got internal racism. It's just, it's just living in the culture, growing up in the culture, you know, look in a couple generations, I, that won't be so much of a thing, but we grew up where it was the expert man and the head of household and the men know best because the men were the only ones that got an education. They were the only ones that could go to college. Mm-hmm. It was within our lifetimes that women started to get the ability to go to college. I mean, Ruth Bader, Gator, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in um, the U.S., one of, uh, one of the first women to go to school, to college, uh, to become a lawyer. She was one of, I think, three women mm-hmm. in university to be a lawyer in her day. So it's, it's very recent history that women were even allowed to have an education, to read, to learn how to read. So we have this idea that men are just smarter because for a long time, they were the only ones that were able to get an education. And, but that doesn't discount. And we think of an old wives tale as something that is just nonsense. And in yeah, a lot of cases up. they are, you know, but in some cases they hit the nail on the head. <laughs> like they're actually spot on. And that's the thing. Men's wisdom was handed down written. Women's wisdom was handed down verbally. And then we were cut off from being able to even speak for so long from those, from those witch hunts, from those, those different ways of, of stopping women from communicating with each other. Yeah, so a so. lot of our knowledge was lost because it was verbal and then we were no longer allowed to speak to each other. And that's really where the, um, you know, the conflict between women, the idea that women are catty and backstabbing, it, it's, it all comes from that fact that we were just unsafe talking to each other mm. for so long. So we see women as competition when in reality, like our stress response is to tend and befriend. Our stress response is to gather our women, our friends, and to deal with the problem, to talk it out, to be emotional, to cry, to yell, to scream, to, you know, to be in, to witness each other. But we were not allowed to have that stress response for so long that we turned it into this very ugly thing. So it comes all the way back to, well, of course, we still think men are the smart ones. We still think men are the... Uh, intelligent ones. If you, if you follow man who has it all uh, on social media, you introduced me to that. And I just, it, it, it cracks me up and horrifies me at the same time, which yeah. is what good entertainment that teaches you something should do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yesterday he posted, do you think men should continue to, do you think men should dumb themselves down because he does everything in re- so people listening, <laughs> he takes a very common question 
that has been asked of women, but he flips the genders. So a lot, well, there's all these conversations about women being smarter than men or like, well, you have to play dumb to get a husband, these kinds of things. So he just says it, should men play dumb in order to uh, find a mate to attract a woman? And just yesterday he tweeted that one. And I mean, the comments on it were like, just, I mean, it was everything. It's, it's like cathartic because you get to say everything that some man has said to you, <laughs> but you, you get to say it yeah. like back. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Do you absolutely don't want to be married to someone who thinks they're smarter than me when they're obviously not. I mean, like it's just so very cathartic, but that's, that's literally in our culture to the point that a freaking social media parody we constantly is going, you know, is bringing up that conversation of women being dumber than men by flipping it. And it's, that's it. Women will listen to a male doctor before they'll listen to a woman with years of expertise. Mm-hmm. So on your website, you say, um, it's my life's mission to end the taboo around um, menstruation for women from little things like marketing to make women feel shame to the deaths of women each year and every year due to this taboo. When you started out, being the period coach, did you think, well, before that, did you think that you would be this beacon for women in their wombs um, and turn it into a business? Because now you work with other, you work with regular women. I always, I always say regular women and business women, like, you know, we're two different breeds. Um, but, you know, you work with regular women, but you also work with women in business to, help, to teach them how to work with their cycle instead of against it. Um, and I can say from lived experience that that was business changing for me. So how did you get, how did that happen? Yeah, I don't, I mean, when I started doing this work, I definitely didn't think that that was going to be doing honestly. So I have endometriosis. Okay. And I'm going to asterisk this here just because someday someone's going to find this and they're going to yell at me. I've not had the surgery to confirm it, but it's passed down from the matriarchal line. My mom and my aunt both have it. Also, I have every flagship symptom of it. So while I haven't had the surgery, because why bother? Um, I'm very confident saying that the endometriosis is my problem. So I had 20 years of unbelievably painful, horrific periods. And, and Um, just to put it in perspective, women with endometriosis, there's been multiple reports over the years that, that, uh, women have died having a heart attack, but they would tell their, their family that like, oh yeah, this really hurts, but it's not as bad as my cramps. So I'm just, I'm just going to like go to bed and it'll be fine in the morning. And it turned out that they were having a massive heart attack. (laughs) It didn't hurt as bad as their cramps. So they thought they were fine. Uh, just to put pain perspective up there. Um, so I honestly was just trying to figure out a way to live. So I had been a dancer, a bartender, run restaurants, all very physically demanding jobs. And I just got to a point where I thought I need a job where I can just sit down, but I can't work at an office because I, I, I like I, getting to an office during my period is, I mean, just getting to any kind of place at all out of the bathroom is hard. So I thought, okay, I'll do something at home. So I thought, I'll go to school. I'll do health coaching. I've been a dancer. I teach at ballet bar studios and Pilates studios and yoga studios. So it's like, this will be great. I'll work with athletes. I've been an athlete for 20 years. I can do this. And that was just really where it started. So no, when I started doing this, I was just going to be a health coach for athletes. And then it just turned out that all of the women I worked with that had period problems and all of the research I had done for the last 20 years trying to fix myself worked on them. Turns out endometriosis is not so much a hormonal balance disorder as it is more like an autoimmune 
immune disorder, which is why I was having my problems. Um, but I learned how to deal with all of that. And I actually was able to put my endo in remission. I've actually helped other women put their endometriosis in remission far easier to just get a woman out of PMS or PMDD or, or PCOS or those kinds of hormonal uh, issues. But, um, yeah, it just started working. So that sort of happened. And then just one year I realized all of the women that I was working with were business owners or CEOs or, you know, lawyers that just set their own schedules and lives. And so I just started going, well, you know, your verbal skills and your estrogen are tied together when your estrogen peaks, your verbal skills peak. So what if we tried this thing where you did your meetings when your estrogen was peaking and, you know, this one who was having employee issues. I was like, what if you do employee meetings when your estrogen is peaking? And you know why the one that was having husband troubles, I was like, why don't you talk to your husband like this during this time? And so we just started like playing with it and just kept working over and over and over again. And that's really when I realized that honestly, your menstrual cycle is happening every day and you are either, it's a river, it's happening every day and you are in a flowing current and you can either float down the stream in an inner tube, sipping a cocktail and relaxing and going literally with the flow, or you can try and swim upstream and fight it and burn yourself out doing it. But there's no treading water. You're in a moving current. So you're either with it or you're against it. And that was when I really like had that light bulb moment of like, oh God, we've got to really like women are hurting themselves. Even the women who are indifferent about their periods and could just care less are actually not, could be having a better life if they just got out of this taboo. And that's sort of when I realized the taboo was the problem. Um, it, it's just, it causes like none of the research is done on women because of the taboo. There's no research. They're just starting to do research on endometriosis. They're just starting to do research on all of these hormonal imbalances. There's no long-term research on birth control and the effects of women. The side effects list is incomplete for birth control. Like none of this is done because taboo. Because mm, we don't talk about it because we're silent. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. In your copy, you say, you say we've been lied to our entire lives. <clears throat> and I think like why, why do you think that pain and suffering is such an ingrained part of the label of womanhood? Do you think that we're still buying into that Eve deserved pain because she was a very naughty girl kind of story. Um, because one of the things that when, when I kind of canvassed my mates and said, what would you ask the period coach? That was all very much like, how do we cope questions? Mm -hmm. How do we cope with this? And how do we cope with that? And then one woman said, ask her about how having your period can actually empower your life and your business. And I was like, yes, they're the kind of questions that we don't even think to ask because in our heads, it's so having your period is so much something that you have to deal with. That's a pain in the womb that <laughs> instead of how is this a, how can like, why is all of womanhood pain and misery? Well, didn't you know, Eve, she ate the apple and she's bad. She's naughty. Yeah, she exactly. It for everyone. That's why we have quote unquote the curse. Uh, that's why childbirth is painful. And if you would talk to midwives, they tell you childbirth does not have to be painful. It does not mm -hmm. have to be a horrific experience. Um, and, and if you talk to me, I would tell you periods are not supposed to be painful. If they're painful, then something's wrong. That's not just part of being a woman. But we've been told our whole to lives. People, they're like, what? Yeah. Say, what? 
because yeah. that's, we, we know it periods are painful and they take you out. They can take you out. And even yeah. if they don't completely wipe you out, then you're, you're basically, you're struggling. You're doing all the things that you should be doing in the day, but you're doing it and it's a struggle. And right. Like you're staring you say, at the screen blankly. Like, why can't I get my brain to do this thing yeah. right now? Or yeah. you're, you're just like, why is this puppy commercial making me cry today? <laughs> but you say yeah. it, that, that's, it's the, the pain part is not necessary. And actually none of it is. Yeah. And that none of it. Fine. Then they think you just make it. Yeah. <laughs> I have two things. One is PMS is not a phase of the cycle. It's a hormonal imbalance. So stop thinking that PMS is part of being a woman or it's part of your menstrual cycle because it's not It's a hormonal imbalance. If you have PMS, you have a hormonal imbalance. Something is wrong and can be fixed. Uh, the other one is there's a difference between common and normal. Just because mm. something common doesn't make it normal. Yeah, good. Right? Nice. So period, PMS, cramps, moodiness, brain fog, fatigue, uh, sore boobs, um, crying at commercials, uh, wanting to murder your spouse or partner or everything, wanting to completely rebrand your business, wanting to yeah, pack up and go in a caravan. That, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, doing, I'm doing that. that. I'm, quitting my, I'm quitting my business and I'm putting everyone in a caravan and I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Because, and because, it happens uh, every month at the same yeah, time. That's right. But then in your brain at the time, you're like, no, no, this makes perfect sense. This is because yeah. I'm unhappy in my life. Yeah. And then in two weeks later, I'd be like, what did I do? <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's common. Yeah. But that's not a normal menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that is, uh, that is a hormonal imbalance or you just don't know what's going on. So you're reacting. One of the things that I've noticed is that this is going to happen whether, whether you're conscious of it or not. So for example, in New York City bartending for over 10 years, I had extra bar backs during the full moon because I knew that the energy in the room was going to get crazy and people were going to be fighting or the other F word. And either way, I was going to have to ask people to put their clothes back on. And, um, and I, you know, we knew that and we knew during the new moon not to have a bar back because not a lot of people were going to come. Like it would just be a chiller night. So like we knew that in the bar and, uh, and you know, you don't schedule based on the moon in most worlds, but like <laughs> I had a few bar owners who really knew and they got it and they understood that. And they were like, no, we're, we're preparing because we know what a shit show this turns out to be if we don't have an extra set of hands during mm -hmm. the full moon. So like whether you're conscious of it or not, it's happening. And that's really where I feel that our cycles are, you know, whether you're conscious of it or not, it's happening. If you're conscious of it, you can actually use it to your advantage mm -hmm. and you can move everything forward in different ways. And it's also about acknowledging that rest is not a bad word. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like whenever people go, Oh man, I just, I have all this great energy during ovulation. And I'm just like, why can't I just have this kind of energy and work ethic and get so much done all of the time. I just did like a 16 hour day and it was amazing. And then I just have to say, well, if we had summer all the time, we'd live in drought and be dead. <laughs> yeah. You can't have summer all the time. You need winter. You need to rest. The flowers need to fall off the trees. If you're going to get more flowers, you can't have 
constant 16 hour work days forever. That's just not how it works. Mm. So you need to have that rest time. And it, that's just it. Like we have a built in system with our cycle that literally says, okay, this is your rest time. This is when you naturally want to make lists. You naturally want to organize things. So you take stock of what's happened. You get yourself prepared. You go through your bleed. Your, your mind is on fire, right? During your bleed, the left and the right hemisphere of your brain or the synapses are firing the most. You've got all this creative and logic energy. You're just like, really, it's a beautiful time. So if you can stand back and look at the big picture during your, during your actual bleed, you can, you can come out with such clarity and concept. It's incredible. And then you've got a game plan. So you go into your follicular and ovulation phases with a clear list of what to do, how to do it, and you can do a 16-hour day and you can get twice done what you did before. Yeah. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And when I, when I sat down with my um, OBM and I was like, <clears throat> she was like, okay, so we're going to do it. A webinar a month and blah, 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 and list building. And I was like, right, so but this is what I'm doing because I'm, I'm going to do, I'm basically going to do my live webinars in the middle of my month. And she's like, oh. And she took her a second, like she had a, there was a beat and she was like, okay, then let's do that. But it's totally worked because that's when I want to talk to people. That's when Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure, sign me up for another live. Okay. You want me to do a a podcast? No problem. Um, The week before, I believe, not the time, (laughs) not the time to be, to be like turning up to events and all that kind of stuff. But you're absolutely right. When, as soon as I started structuring my business in this way you you said to me when we did the when we did one of the trainings you know that 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 ovulation sell everything and ask for stuff and go to events mm-hmm. um because that's when people want to give you things yep and so the minute i started doing that it all became easier because i'm only turning up when i want to when i've got that natural high that i want to interact with other humans um and and they want to give me money yeah it's great isn't it it's so much easier. The myth that it all has to be so hard is just because we're trying to be men, but we're women. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. It's just stop trying to be a little man. <laughs> try, try to be a large in charge lady. Oh, I love it. So I just think you're the best thing since Moon Cup, Stasha. Um, so before we wrap up, tell us what's so crisp in your life right now. Like what have you got going on? Oh, okay. So I do have to say I've got the book. And I am in the middle of rewrites and that is like the only crisp thing in my world right now is just (laughs) rewriting and getting the book ready to come out, comes out at the end of this year. So I'm eat, breathe, living, writing the book. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the thing. And tell us what (laughs) the book will be called. The revolution will be bloody. I love it. I love it so much. It's going to be really, really ever so good. Um, So yeah. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about periods with us yes. <laughs> <laughs> loud and proud periods. periods so this has been so crisp and my bloody beautiful guest has been Stasha Washburn the period coach as a speaker author period pioneer certified holistic health coach visionary business coach and with 20 plus years of research she has a fiery passion to reconnect women to the power in their cycles her goal is to end the taboo of periods 
periods, worldwide, no big deal, right? Uh, Sasha is changing the conversation around periods from whispers in the ladies' room to empowered public discussions. You may have noticed this is not a regular nuts and bolts podcast about business and words and labels. We're looking for crisp new ways to discuss wordy elements. So if you ever have a suggestion, please drop me a line. Now, because Sasha is a star with her own voice, she gets to do the outro. Take us away. So if you're an American from the East Coast, you know about Wise brand potato chips. But if you don't, you just imagine the crispiest, crunchiest, saltiest, most amazing potato chip. You dive into that bag probably the day before your bleed and then you enjoy. You're, miss- you're missing home a bit, aren't you? <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Awesome. May your day be crisper than the Wise brand potato chips. Yes. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach, and consultant Jay Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.